Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I'm Alexa and uh, Ambrosia is on vacation right now. So I am responsible for this week's episode. And I asked my lovely friend, Sarah Gersh, to uh, jump on this episode with me and talk to you guys about something that I think you'll all be really interested in and something that she is extremely well-versed in, which is the Enneagram. Um, And we'll get into what that is in a minute. But first of all, Sarah, welcome to Inner Bloom. Thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) So are, so are we, we all, I can speak for the audience collectively. We are, we are excited. Um, And if you're not guys, you really should be because Sarah, so let me, let me back up real quick. Sarah, they, they know about you. They just don't know. They know about you. So Sarah is my Bumble BFF friend from Philadelphia. Me and her met on Bumble BFF. What what was it like at the, like one year ago, basically. Yeah. And as soon as we met, it was like, yep, this is great. We could talk for hours. We are, we both, um, just could analyze quite a few things. And Sarah, you're a very emotionally intelligent person. You're a very intelligent person in general, but you're also just a very emotionally intelligent person. And you're one of the most well-read people I've ever met. Um, yeah. You, so why don't you talk a little bit about just maybe share anything that feels relevant um, about yourself and mm-hmm. about how you kind of came to be so into the Enneagram and then we can dive into what that is. Okay. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's so funny whenever you like compliments like that about like, oh, you're so well-read or so intelligent. I have three sisters and one of my sisters, Emma is like the most intelligent person in the world. And she can read like (laughs) three books a day. And she's so like, that's just never been an identity that I had. So whenever people say that, I'm like, no, but I, I'm, thank you. That's really kind. Oh Um, yeah. Because she's a smart one, you know? Which is, it truly is crazy. Me and you talk about this all the time. Cause like, it really is interesting when you, grow up in a certain environment and you associate an identity with what that environment has reflected back to you. And then you go somewhere new and everybody's like, what are you talking about? That's not this other way. And you're like, no, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) go ahead. But anyway, so the Enneagram, um, well, I will say I, um, have 
yes, read many books about the Enneagram, listened to every resource that I possibly can because it is the single best tool for personal growth and development that I've ever discovered. Um, and, you know, I feel like I've always been really into like personality typing systems and like, I want to know everything about astrology. I want to know everything about Myers-Briggs. I want to, and then it was like, once I found the Enneagram, I was like, oh, oh, this is the system that really like encapsulates everything. And it also, I think was the one system for me that, um, and I think most Enneagram enthusiasts would agree that it, because it's so focused on growth, it's not a static, like this is, these are your personality traits. And now, you know, it's like really accounts for the nuances of human personality. And it gives you specific growth paths that you should be working on once you identify your type. And it really is so nuanced and so in depth, which I think is a pro and a con of the Enneagram, because obviously I love that about it because I'm someone who, when I'm into something, I'm like, I want it to be never ending. I want there to be new nooks and crannies to explore and discover. But I think that is a challenge to getting into it in the beginning because it's not just like a fill out this questionnaire and get your type and now you know. It's like you really do have to do a lot of soul searching. You have to do a lot of, you have to be willing to investigate and explore and be really vulnerable to even come into your type, I think. Um, so for people that are interested, and I do think also to be clear, you know, it's kind of the perfect tool for specifically your audience because um, it's specifically not just personality it is explicitly a tool for spiritual growth. So um, it's kind of like the marriage of psychology and spirituality is, is how um, scholars of the Enneagram have described it. So anyways, I don't know if that was exactly oh, what you asked me, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of an oh, overview of like how you, I have thought about the Enneagram. <laughs> so you guys can tell this is what I'm talking about. Like Sarah just, I I'm probably going to do this a whole episode, but like you just, when you speak about something, you are so like comprehensive with it. And also this is why I, I've been trying to convince Sarah, like she should be doing this professionally because that's the thing. Like, that's the exact reason that I have a hard time getting into tarot, right? I'm so into tarot. I really like other people when they use tarot, like the system system of it and the themes and the stories and the archetypes of it. I really like that. But the getting into it, you have to freaking study. You have to take a college course. Like it's, it's, and, it's and for some, it's intimidating. It's overwhelming if it doesn't come naturally to you. And there's some people listening right now who it really does come naturally to them and they're doing it for a business. And that's great for me. It doesn't. And that's why I need someone to relay it to me. You are the, that way with whatever you are drawn to, but this is why specifically, I really think you're supposed to be doing this with the Enneagram because I'm not kidding you guys. I'll, I'll be like talking about someone in my life to her and she's like, oh yeah, that's a classic X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, like when we first started hanging out, you started telling me stories about your husband and I, I mentally in my mind was like, I think I know what number he is, you know? Yeah. And just like, we started talking about it and you were like, like that makes every single thing I was like able to describe your guys's relationship. And, you know, yeah. just because the Enneagram is so like, it's so, um, 
concrete and so reliable, I think, for describing people. And that's what's crazy is it really is. It, it showcases the challenges and the growth, like you're talking about the growth path and what triggers a person and what they're learning. It's so comprehensive. So I want to get into what all that is, but my baby's crying. So oh. I'm going to need to go get him and bring him here. So everyone time out. It will take 30 seconds. I'll be right oh, back. <laughs> this almost makes me happy because um, you're ever is my favorite person ever. Favorite person ever. And now fair warning to everyone that I'm probably going to end up using my baby voice because yeah, I want to say hi to ever. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. Hi. Hi. That's your favorite person. Hi, I miss you. Oh, my God. He can't exactly hear your voice, but he's looking at your face and smiling. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Oh, my okay. God. He's my favorite. So let's get into a little bit more about the Enneagram for anyone who's not heard of it. Like, And this is a question I just realized I had. Who came up with the Enneagram? Yeah, so we all want to <laughs> Um, So the Enneagram is, well, the symbol, um, which I actually, let me see. I like, I took one of my books out, but so you can kind of see the symbol in the middle here, right there. I don't know if that's doing a good job showing it, but um, the Enneagram symbol is nobody really knows the exact origins, but it's for sure been around for like, thousands of years um they think it can date back to like greek mythology like there's a, a lot of different places where this specific symbol has turned up and um there's a lot of um mythology or um theories surrounding like what it meant to other cultures and and what it means but there's just no written record of it but it just like shows up places and people are like maybe this is where it came from maybe this so there's a lot of like mythology around that in the enneagram world but concretely um the kind of modern understanding of it i think you know in like the 1870s or the 1880s or something um this one specific guy gurdjieff i think i'm saying his name right it's like a or, you know, that's how I pronounce it in my mind, um, you know, got like was in this group of thinkers that all like were determined to they believed that like ancient cultures had um, probably uncovered like psychological and spiritual truths that were like lost to time. And so they would all like go out exploring and trying to learn everything they could about like what ancient cultures had said about like psychology and human development and spirituality and stuff. And so he kind of married everything that all of these people thought about or had discovered into his current like modern understanding of the Enneagram using this symbol and um, the personality types. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, so I think because it, it kind of marries the modern understanding of it marries all of these ancient traditions and sort of like if you went to every religion on earth and took like the most profound best parts of it and kind of married them together into one i feel like that's why it's so comprehensive probably um but that's where it comes from and then obviously like other scholars have taken it and 
added to it and studied it and given new insights to it over the years to where now, you know, there's a lot of different like schools of thought on the Enneagram and different teachers have had different impacts on its usage throughout the years. So it's just, you know, it's sort of like an evolving tool. It's really cool. I love that. And do you want to go over, like, do you want to kind of give an overview of what all the types are? Yeah. Yeah. I'll kind of just like the, the basic theory of what the Enneagram is probably should have started with that because everybody's like, we're talking a lot about this thing. I don't know what it is, but so the basic theory of the Enneagram, you know, most people really identify, uh, with their personality. You think my personality is me, you know, I'm cute. I'm funny. I'm social. I, you know, (laughs) get angry when I'm having had my coffee in the morning. Like that's who I am. Oh yeah. That's my personality make me up and they are who I am. Um, and the Enneagram kind of says, you know, your personality actually is not who you are. Your personality is the mask or the kind of set of tools or coping mechanisms that you developed in reaction to, you know, your circumstances as a child or your psyche, you know, what you came into the world with in your psyche. And, um, those tools and those coping mechanisms served you really well early on in your life. And they formed your personality, which is sort of just like the, the, what you wear to navigate the world and navigate all of life situations. Um, but that you have a truer self, a core self, an essence that you are, uh, protecting almost with your personality. And, um, that's not to say that the personality is bad or like the goal is to defeat your personality. It's just that it does leave you with blind spots, right? Like if you're over leaning on any one set of tools, um, you can't even see the, you know, that it's left. It's like if you used your whole life, you know, walking with a crutch under one arm, you wouldn't realize that like, okay, now my, the leg is, is underdeveloped you know, because I've been leaning on a crutch instead of my leg. So the Enneagram is really about just the awareness of what your personality is and really digging into like, okay, what's behind my personality? What are, what are, what things am I not able to see about myself? What are in my, what's in my shadow that I'm um, not aware of. And usually uh, for most people, that is a really tough thing to see or acknowledge but once you do it opens and i'll say personally for me you know discovering my enneagram type completely changed my life like i was it was the best thing i could have ever done because once i was able to acknowledge it and like come to terms with the fact that okay because when i first heard it i was like no i'm not like that that's not me i'm better than all of the things that the saying but then i kind of like acknowledged the truth of it and was able to make a lot of really important, like major life changes that opened me up to so many, um, just amazing opportunities. And I I just live such a happier, more full life now as a result of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this is in hearing you describe it. I feel like, cause there's a, a section of our listeners who, um, are very spiritual, are very kind of like love the, like the, I guess the, some components of spirituality, however, they are also very like linear thinkers by nature and they like systems. And I Mm -hmm. think I've heard some of our community express frustration at times 
not with us, it's just with the, the process in general, or maybe, maybe with us, like maybe in, in working with them as clients, I, I think sometimes it is frustrating if you are that linear thinker and you do like systems and you do like to know, okay, this is clearly what I do. Mm-hmm. Like if this happens, this happens, if this happens, this happens. And this seems like such a beautiful, like you said, marriage between like, okay, the spiritual world, the ethereal world, and then like the practical, like, let's, let's take some action here world. That, yes, that's exactly what it is. And I'm like that. I'm like your listeners that are like, I'm like, okay, I'm so attracted to spirituality, you know, even though I I have a, my own interesting history with spirituality because I was raised super religious. So I think I had a lot of time where I was just like, would dig my heels in and would um, be really resistant to any, any kind of spirituality or any kind of spiritual growth. And I wanted to write it off as all not practical, not, you know, because it had harmed me in, you know, as a kid. Um, But like finding the Enneagram did really allow me to, safely uh reconnect I think with you know my spirituality and um in a way that I was like okay you know yes this is there's some parts of this that some people could write off as woo woo you know in the sense that like we're talking about your soul and your you know your innermost self and ego death and like all of these concepts that you know yeah they're they're not super tangible but um yeah, the Enneagram breaks it down in a way that you're just like, oh, okay, but this like logically does make a lot of sense. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so let's talk about the tests. Let's, I think that's the most cool. interesting. Um, let's do it. By the way, so- as we're doing this, you guys, we have 10 people watching right now live. If you guys um, want to, if, if as we're doing this and going through the types, if you guys kind of identify your own type or say like, oh, that sounds like me and you want I don't know, maybe you have a question about your life or something. Maybe towards the end of this, we can take a couple questions and Sarah can uh, use your type to uh, give you some insight about like steps to take. So just kind of listen and see if you identify with any of these types and maybe we can do that. Go ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so the Enneagram has nine basic types um, and each type has three subtypes. So there's 27 total kind of like options, but nine is the the starting off point, right? And then um, if you don't exactly hear yourself in any of the nine types, don't panic. I think that's super, super normal um, at a pass through because of course, again, we can't get so in depth with it as we would love. Um, But I think the subtypes are where a lot of people are really like, oh, like, how is it possible that something could describe me so deeply? You know, you're in my the brain. Same thing as astrology. It's like- A hundred percent. Yeah, you signs, just made your sun sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. Um, so uh, there are three triads, each containing three types. And those three types are um, representing- people's dominant center of intelligence. So the Enneagram says there's three main centers of intelligence, your head or your thinking center, your heart or your feeling center and your gut or your body or instinctive center of intelligence. So we'll start with the, um, we'll start with the body types. I think um, that kind of just like makes sense because that'll bring us up to the top of the thing. But so type eight is the first Um, body type. And so those are, these are people who are 
um, their dominant center of intelligence is their body and their instincts, right? So all of their behaviors and actions are motivated mostly through just sort of like your gut feeling about things and sort they they tend to be very physical processors, you know, whether that be like, okay, I'm angry. So I need to go for a run or I need to eat my feelings. Like there's going to be some, or have sex or like, you know, something phys like a physical process is going to be how they're going to, to kind of navigate through the challenges of life or the, or the joys or, you know, anything, just their instinct is very, it's very body. Um, and eights are, very strong-willed eights are very um their energy is extremely outward so an eight is someone who takes charge an eight is someone who comes in the room and they're able to direct their energy directly at the things that they want the things that they need um and they're not afraid of you know they they wouldn't necessarily say oh i love conflict but they definitely are someone who says i understand that conflict can be necessary to get things done and i'm not afraid of it if it comes to me i'm i'm ready um but eights are really motivated deeply by um wanting to not be controlled so eights basic um sort of fear is of being controlled and and not being allowed to determine their own destiny and their basic desire is to protect themselves and protect the people that are close to them so they're very much um ready to square up if need be for the people that they love or if they perceive a threat it's over and so it, for that reason you know a lot of people can experience eights as harsh or um you know, a little prickly sometimes where me, like I find I really gravitate to eights and I love eights or like where my sister um, feels like that's one of the tougher types for her to go along with. But me, like I'm really drawn to um, eights for their decisiveness and their strength of conviction and their sort of instinctive ability to know what they want and know how they want to go about doing it. Um, they're just a super... Um, they're great leaders that, you know, they're just someone who shows up with conviction. So I, I love an eight. I think some of the challenges for eights is definitely like um, they're not comfortable with vulnerability, either from themselves or from others. They are really, um, it, it can be hard for eights to trust people. And, you know, they're very afraid of like betrayal. So it's kind of like one of these things, they keep us a, a really tight circle. And sometimes they don't even understand like, okay, what, like, why, why is it hard for people to get along with me? Like, I'm so clearly just doing the right thing here. And, you know, they kind of like will lay the hammer down on people when they don't agree. What I hear in my head is someone who's like, I would kill for someone. I'll, I'll kill for this person. And they wouldn't, piss on me if I was on fire like that's how they perceive like it's kind of like it's their own choice to be that fiercely uh protective in a way but like they're confused about why other people don't show that same thing to them absolutely yeah because eights aren't super um I wouldn't say that they're super curious about the inner world of other people do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're way more motivated to put their inner desires outward than they are to like, 
ingest the inner the inner worlds of others so yeah they are they're like this is just the normal this is the only course of action why aren't you behaving the same way this is clearly the best um so that can be a challenge for eights but yeah eights i mean like i said i'm really drawn to them just because i i love that like i struggle with like decisiveness and um straightforwardness is a big challenge for me like so i, I i'm always like yeah i want to be around someone that's just going to tell me exactly how it is tell me exactly what to do and then i know where i stand with them and it's great yeah um and then we've got nines are the next number oh and i will say um so most enneagram sources have like named the types um, and I kind of like purposefully avoid the names of the types. I'm fine to use them because any, literally any quiz or anything that you search is going to name the type. The only reason I don't use it is because I think that the names, like you could hear a type name and not identify with that name and think, yeah. oh, this type doesn't apply to me. The um, names but are like the seeker, the philosopher. Yeah. So the... type eight is called the challenger. I gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'll, I'll use them by, if it's helpful for people. By the way, we already have somebody commenting about, uh, well, I'll let you go to type nine and then I'll, I'll read their comment and, and see, cause they're, they're wanting, go ahead, go okay. ahead, go to, go to type nine. So nines are also in the gut triad, meaning, you know, they're definitely body types and it manifests really differently, I think, for nines and for eights. Um, you know, eights tend to have just like this ver voracious appetite for experiences and physical intensity um, where nines are prefer to be a little bit more um conserve their energy and be a little bit more mellow so nine's physicality really manifests in like resting and um conserving their physicality to themselves and so nines are very inward right like nines experience everything deeply internally and they try to protect themselves from conflict at all costs so nines are just deeply afraid of um discord or disharmony like they just want a peaceful tranquil environment and they're they're motivated by that more than anything and because the passion of type for um a nine is sloth it's you know people will joke about nines as being very like just sort of like slow and not very um you know, their presence isn't going to be loud or in your face, right? But the the things that people love about nines is nines are truly like the sweethearts of the Enneagram. Like they are able to, anybody that they're talking to, they instantly are able to see that person's perspective. They're very easy to like they're very agreeable. Like they're, they're willing to see what someone is saying and just accept it as valid. And so for that reason, I think a lot of people, you know, when you're around a nine, you feel seen, you feel validated and it's such a good feeling. Um, that being said, nines are also notoriously stubborn because um, they, well, they can, feel agreeable. They also, you know, if something isn't resonating with them, they would never tell you that that's going on because it would cause conflict. And they're just letting you think that they agree. And then in their mind, they're like, not going to happen. You know, that's nope, it's not going to happen. 
Um, and nine, it's so funny because I did um, like a TikTok series. They're the people, I'm so sorry. I was just gonna say, they're the types of people who'll be like, you invite them to a party and they're like, yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. And they don't show up. They just not show up. That's exactly a nine. Yes, right. They're not gonna tell you, oh, actually I can't come. They're just gonna be like, yeah, oh, that sounds good. And you and think that means they're coming. Later. You'll yeah, you think that means like, they're coming. <laughs> they were like really, they were, they they seemed into it. Like, I don't understand. A hundred percent. Yeah, or two, you know, yeah. But um, I think with nines, so I did, it's funny, I did like a, you know, like a TikTok series of videos on like put a finger down and like did qualities of each. And nine is the, the one of those videos that got like by far the most people being like, oh, this is me. You know why I think? Because nine sounds like a people pleaser. Like mm-hmm. nine sounds like an empath, people pleaser, highly sensitive person who is conflict avoidant, like you said. So like that makes yeah. sense to me. A hundred percent. And then I think the thing that people really identified with is that nines, because they are in the gut triad, that means that they have um, anger as sort of like their deep um their deep, the, the, the deep emotion that they struggle with. And so, but they are repressing it. Like they're nothing, they're not even going to be aware if you crossed a boundary with them, they don't even know that they had a boundary. So what will happen with nines is they'll be the most peaceful, sweet, agreeable person you've ever met. And then one day something like not that big will happen and they will have an explosion that is like so disproportionate to the thing and they don't even know where that came from. It's just like this thing was the thing that tipped the scale and they're not even able to identify that like, oh, it's actually related to these 20 other things that like probably didn't sit well with me, but I agreed with. Um, Sarah, are you a nine? Which one? I've had this conversation with you nine billion times. I'm so sorry. No, it's and okay. I'm so sorry if you took offense to that. I really didn't. I just, I just know there's like a lot of crossover with the people pleasing that we. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are multiple types that probably would identify as people pleasers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nines definitely like that anger piece. I just don't have that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not a part of my story. Where for nines, you know, that resentment, that stubbornness, that frustration that will boil over. That's like definitely a key, key piece for them. Yeah. Um, and also the sloth and the like, you know, nines oh, tend yeah, to be yeah. more introverted, I would say, yeah. where I'm definitely like, I am out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, a spoiler <laughs> alert, I'm a two. Yeah. <laughs> two and what am I you're a one a one oh my god you're I'm nice. terrible. that's our cue to talk about ones okay well before we go into go ones so I want to read this comment from this person just in case I don't know um so Lee Ling says I'm super interested to see what type is a giver slash healer to the point of neglecting yourself I'm a healthcare worker who prefers to help mostly disabled children and the very elderly what I perceive as the helpless Mm. which type is that okay yeah so I mean we'll go through I do think like possibly nine although I think nines will conserve their energy a little bit more. It sounds like this person might fit more. And it really all, like any any single type could be doing that, right? But it all depends on A, your motivation for it. So like for me, if I was to be doing that, right? Because I'm a two, 
it would be because I, um, I feel that I have endless ability to give. I don't have any needs of my own. And I'm very prideful that like, I'm the one that can come in and help these people. Like this is, this is my pride speaking where for you, because you're a one, which you're about to describe, if you were taking on that role and felt like it was exhausting you and you were giving too much, it would probably be, be because it's the right thing to do. It is a morally correct thing to do. And you are, you want to be a good person so bad that like <laughs> your own limits be damned. I will suffer because that is morally, um, admirable. Yeah. Right. So Absolutely. just two, same behavior, two totally different motivations. So yeah. I'll be interested if that person has, you know, a, a, a motivation that they want to speak to of like why they are, why they feel drawn to that work maybe. Yeah. Um, and that might give you a little bit more insight or, or how it manifests when you, when you've pushed yourself past your limit, what does that look like for you? That could yeah. be another really interesting clue to your type. But let's talk about ones. So ones are the final type in the gut triad. Alexa's a one. I was going to say, I know that I'm. it's interesting because for those of you who study human design, I really feel like this, and we've talked about this before, Sarah, but I really do feel like it overlays like almost perfectly. Yeah. Because when I do my human design type, it says that I'm, I've, I'm a gut, whatever I feel in my gut. That's how I like make my decisions. Um, and there's, a, there's a lot of other like parallels, but go ahead. So I'm type one and type ones are the last one, last of the gut triad. Gut triad. Yeah. So ones are, um, real, their, their core motivation is that they want to be doing the most morally right thing. Like they want to be a good person and they're kind of deep down, like afraid that they're not. So, Maybe and it's fair. really funny because ones are um, really kind of typecast as like perfectionists or like, and I know you struggle with OCD. And like, I would say that like, if you were gonna uh, stereotypically dis like assign a mental health, <laughs> um, issue for each type, like ones would have OCD as like their, um, their That's issue. Crazy. Right. Because it's just, it's ones are constant. They're always aware of what is wrong or what could be better or what needs to be fixed. And ones will recognize their description as like, they have the most harsh inner critic. So the voice that a one has in their head is constantly pointing out to them all the ways that they are not good enough, all the ways that they're falling short. And it's also able to see that in other people um, and in other situations. So some people experience ones as either really critical or sometimes if they're not being outwardly critical, they'll be doing the opposite thing of just like modeling good behavior and being kind of like condescending or like feeling like resentful or frustrated that other people aren't working as hard as being good as they are. Um, so, you know, ones are, and, and it's so funny because I have two best friends that are ones, Alexa, and then my other best friend, Sarah. Um, and so I just, I find like, I love ones. I, you know, because I'm so ready to be like, you are a good person. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, trust me, I love you. You're not, you know, you're Aww. not bad, but, um, that's, that's why you're such a gift. 
because I was just I was just telling you about something the other day and I said and I literally used the example I, I did this on the podcast I was like how is it that there are people like Kanye West for example who are just going around saying whatever the hell they want and they don't give a hell they, they, they think they're great still mm. and other people still think they're great even with that you know yeah. and it's like and I'm sitting here so concerned with being a good person and I think I'm a terrible person somehow like what it doesn't even make sense but no it's completely illogical as are yeah. all of our neuroses right yeah <laughs> um, yeah but ones I mean the the best parts about ones you know they're just they are they're such they're deep thinkers and because they want to be good people so much they really are good people like do you know what I mean like not to reinforce your you know your drive but they they are they're just the person that you go to when you like want someone to not necessarily tell you what you want to hear but like what they think is true and oh my god in the beginning of me and Ambrosia's relationship um she would get so annoyed because she would call me to you know like bitch like you bitch to your friends like you say like oh my god this person was doing this and this and this like what the hell and I would drive her nuts because I would be like <laughs> okay well maybe what what could have you considered that what could be going on and she's like no because I just want you to be like what a bitch or like even right. if you don't know that I was like well I don't know this person I don't really like to call people but she's like it doesn't matter I just want you to like <laughs> vibe with me you know yeah. and it took me a while to finally learn how to do that like and now yep. I'm, I'm pretty good at it so if you yeah. want to if you want someone to bitch with you I will I will um, right. Once you learned that that was a, um, and, and a morally good life skill to have yes, as a yes. friend, you quickly learned everything that there is to know about it. And now you're very, very great at it. Yeah. I'm sure. I never thought of it that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ones were, you know, ones will imp implement a lesson. Like mm -hmm. you're not oh. probably not going to have to tell them multiple times, some, like something like they're going to hear it and they're going to like take it in. Yeah. Every so. single thing that happens to me, I think is a lesson. <laughs> and sometimes I have to even say to myself, Hey, we don't have to lessen this. We can just like live our lives. You know what I mean? I say that to Sarah all the time. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like the way that like, it's good to take something from this, but sometimes I'm worried that you're like seeking, like, it doesn't have you're to, you're like making everything into school. Like it doesn't need to be school. Right. Like sometimes you can just yeah. experience it and move on. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to like suffer for it. And like ones really think suffering is like an important part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. Yes, so we're let's. now we're moving into the um, heart triad, which Ooh. so these are these three types are all motivated by their feelings. So your feelings are the things that are informing all of your behaviors and decisions, most likely, um, even when you're not aware of that, which is something I had to learn. Um, but so we're, we're talking about my type, which is type two um, and type twos are definitely um, people pleasers. As you said before, twos are their basic, you know, fear is like, I just am not lovable and um, I, and they will, they're very good at sort of sensing and anticipating the needs and desires of people around them so that they can, um, be, meet expectations in order to make people 
like them or love them. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, twos are extremely others focused. Like if there is another person around, you cannot be aware of your own inner world. If you're a two, we're like, for example, so we're contrasting to nines, right? Where nines and twos are both people pleasers, um, where a nine is, you know, tends to be more inward with their energy. A two cannot save the energy if their life depends on it, if there's another person there. It's like, this is, this belongs to you, <laughs> take it. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, the pros of twos obviously is like, yeah, we're people, people, like, you know, great at reading personalities, great at understanding what people need and people generally like twos. So that's like a good thing. But the bad thing is that, you know, for a two, it's, um, yeah, you, you really are not aware of your own needs and desires. And so often this leads to twos having to sort of like spend, like the growth path for a two is spending time alone and like figuring out, like learning to hear your own inner voice, learning to understand that you have needs and then what those needs are and then how to still stay in touch with those even when other people might have conflicting needs um, so it's a challenge, <laughs> uh, but, you know, definitely great thing to work on for, for two. Um, so go ahead. real quick. So what I'm hearing is like twos and nines are very similar, but it sounds like nine is an introvert and two is an extrovert. No. Mm, well, there could definitely be introverts and extroverts of either type. Of both. Do you know what okay. I mean? But yeah. I think it's more about like kind of directionality of your boundaries almost like for a nine they're they're sort of like they have like this double boundary of like okay anything that might come up within me that would cause turmoil I'm gonna push it down and then anything that might come at me from other people that might cause turmoil I'm gonna push it out so that they can live in the space between that's like peaceful <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> just um, like no conflict no, no conflict shall pass, basically. Yes, exactly. Where for a two, I think, you know, they're just living out. Like they only have the inward boundary where it's like, okay, I'm not going to let anything could come up that could, um, that could possibly create tension in this relationship that is important to me. So all of my needs don't exist. I'm open and receiving yours. So I don't know, you know, so much that it's introvert, extrovert, it's more about like awareness and like what you're paying attention to and how you're allowing things to affect you. Where like, I'm going to be affected by every single person that I'm around. Where like a nine might try to not be affected at all by anything that could disrupt peace. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, and I, I just saw that the person who asked about their type earlier they said, um, they clarified and said, I assume I'm protected of this group of people because of early childhood experiences of not being taken care of or protected well enough. I really prefer to help others possibly in attempts to avoid my own mental, physical, and emotional health. I have to run to see a patient, but I'll watch this episode later. <laughs> oh, but that's um, their motivation. Yeah. So that could uh, I mean, a couple different types come to mind for that. Definitely could be twos, um, you know, where twos are definitely a type that's like, 
uh, and all of this, right, is reaction to early childhood experiences. Like your whole personality is formed in your childhood. And so of course, like whatever the perceived things were like for two, you, you know, your needs, you, you should not have them because that's not how you're going to get love in this situation. Like they're probably born into, and oftentimes like twos will have like either a really like some other situation in their family or their life that requires a lot of attention or like maybe there's like a sick sibling or maybe, you know, dad is an alcoholic. And so mom, you know, is constantly me like mediating everything for dad. So, you know, if you pop up with a lot of needs, then that's like not cool. That's not copacetic for the environment. Right. So that could be two, um, but it could also be, you know, a seven it could also be nine like I could I could see it a couple different ways but we'll we'll have to yeah 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 okay but so let's talk about threes I'm trying to yes. like bustle through these because I know I can talk forever um but threes are the in also in the heart triad and threes are shiny um outward very um like lively personality types. Um, I always think like, I always closely associate threes with Leos because I have a lot of friends that are Leos and threes. So like, they're just, they are performing, they are putting on whatever they need to in order to achieve things that feel worthwhile to them or things that they feel other people would admire. So, you know, where threes sort of feel deep down that they're afraid that they're unlovable. Um, they, you know, where a, for a two, they kind of, the strategy that they developed was, okay, if I'm unlovable, I'm going to really pay close attention to these other people around me. I'm going to figure out the things that they want from me. And I'm going to be that where a three, they kind of thought, okay, if I'm unlovable, I'm going to figure out the things that people admire and the things that people, you know, wish that they themselves could be or have or look like, and I'm going to be or do or have those things. So they're really focused on image. Like they, they, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, um, stereotypically beautiful or, you know, what it just means that like, they are very aware of how they present and how people perceive them. Um, and whatever, means of status that are important to them, they will be achieving those things. You know what I mean? Um, why are you laughing? Do you know someone like I this? Just, well, actually, no, no, who I was going to say right before you said that was, this reminds me of Jenny from the block. This mm. reminds me of JLo. JLo is very Leo energy and also that like, okay, I came from nothing. So I'm going to, I mean, that's what the story she says. And I, I think it's something. Could true, be. But, but it seems as though like, especially what you just said, I will be having those things. <laughs> there's no, there's no negotiation here. And I think those people will work extremely, extremely, extremely hard. They will break their freaking backs to get it. And, you know, hundred detriment sometimes. Yeah. Oh, and that's like a big, a common theme for threes is that they, experience burnout baby like threes often like for a lot of other types um they will be triggered to do inner work earlier and for other reasons but threes are able to truck along and push past any you know 
any barriers that they might have because they're so motivated on the object of their desire, but then they will get to a point in their life where something happens and they can no longer achieve the goals that they're going through. And it will be like a total breakdown of, um, psyche and just, it will feel like devastation to them. So it's, it's a very common theme for threes. Yeah. To like run themselves into the ground. They are, they tend to be like workaholics. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean career, right? Like if you're a stay at home mom, who's a three, like you are stay at home momming. You're the, you're the mom that's like, you know, t- helping all, you know, all the other moms at the school know that you have, your kids have the best yeah. lunches and you know, whatever yeah. circle you're in, you're at the top of it. Right. And it, yeah. and it's, yeah. So, and I also I just love- re- I do too. I realized while you're saying this, I was like, oh, some of my closest friends have been threes. Um, And I've been, I don't know if this correlates, but I've always played in those relationships. I've always played the role being like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, let me help you. Like, let me, let me take this load off of you. Feeling almost like, um, like somehow I put it there or like somehow like they're picking up the slack for me or something like that. And this kind of, need to if I can just take some of this from you then you'll be chiller it's a codependent thing 100% but it's this feeling of like if I can just take this off of you then you won't be having this burnout or you won't be having this breakdown or you won't be having this whatever it never worked never one time would they listen to me and this that's why because it's never been about one other person besides them Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not even about the thing that you're like, the thing that they're saying, that's the problem that's on their plate is not the thing. It's really the inner motivation of like, I need to be achieving something at all times. I need to be hitting a goal, smashing a bear, like getting something that is desired in order to, you know, feel worthwhile. (laughs) Would Um, you also say that threes can probably like party pretty hard, like to relieve stress? Because well, I would say, the- yeah, but probably, yeah, they would be drawn to that. I would guess. What was the first thing you said? Sorry. Like, I'm sure that there are threes that are not like that. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but oh, I would well, say they- stereotypically, maybe, yeah, because threes do love to be um, in a, you know, in an environment where they can be shiny and impress people. Yeah. So I do think that a lot of times, like partying environments, are are like that a little bit, maybe. And I also think that that's part of why that goes with the achievement desire, right? It's like, I want to achieve all these things because I want to go out in the world and be recognized for these things and experience the benefits of those things. A hundred percent. Yes, that's so true. Like they, they're, they're not just going to be achieving it and then sitting at home, like, uh, yeah, you know but they're going to be posting it on Instagram. Like they're going to like, I, the joke with my three friends is always like, when, you know, if we're planning a birthday party or a baby shower, like it has to be Instagrammable. Like it has to look, it has to (laughs) look good, you know, from the outside. Yeah. Cause they're very image conscious. Yeah. Um, They're fun. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're, and they're also like great friends because they take, you know, they're, they're very the best um, pictures and they're going yeah, they, the to be the best friend, right? Like they're going to achieve, like one of my three best friends, you know, bought me Beyonce tickets for my birthday one year, because like, what an epic present to give. So do you know what I mean? Like yeah. things oh, like yeah. that, where it's just like above and beyond. Because that's exactly, that's, 
their personality. Oh, that's exactly my three best friend from growing up. It's my best friend from growing up is exactly this. And she always, she, whenever she's around, it's just, you have the best time ever, but it also can lead to like her own destruction. And she did have a moment in her life when it was like complete burnout and she literally moved to Australia. It, it changed from New York City to Australia. The girl who would never leave the city to all of a sudden, she moved to Australia. She sold all her things. She just got married there. She's going on a two-year backpacking trip and she has she has like two things to her name and she's like the happiest she's ever been. So like- Yeah. Oh, I'm that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a three success story, truly. Yeah. But probably like was hard to path to get there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. that's three. And she still works extremely hard you know, but it's just that I think like, she's, she's, um, she's like doing, she's living through that in a healthier way for her right now. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's keep going. We'll talk about fours. Um, fours are the last number in the heart triad and fours are, uh, my sister Annie is a four. Right. And so I always kind of use her as like my reference point, but, um, she is, well, they are the big emotional number of the Enneagram. Like they don't, we always say like fours don't have feelings. They are feelings like, <laughs> you, you know, they're not like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling sad. It's like, I am sadness right now. So fours sadness are has become me. Yes, exactly. And they will, whatever the emotion is, like it is profound. Like even if it's joy, it's profound joy. Even if it's sadness, it's profound sadness. If it's frustrated, if it's anger, like it's going to manifest in like a complete and total existence of being. And when the four is in that, it could never end. You know what I mean? Like they feel like it's forever. This is just who I am now. Um, fours are also, you know, very aware of how people perceive them. Um, and they're very aware of other people and fours feel that they are, um, sort of inherently different. Like they can't figure out why other people can just do things or have things or be things and they can't. So fours are very per like permeated by like longing or, you know, it could be envy is like the word I think that you would use where it's like, you know, a four would look at you and be like, oh, you know, Alexa has this great husband and this cute baby and, and such, you know, she, somehow she figured out how to do all this stuff. And like, I could never have that. Like, and, and you, and you as a one would be like, okay, but why can't you like, you know, da, 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 here's all these things. And they'd be like, I'm just, that's just not who I am. I'm just not like that. Instead of like seeing that, like, okay, there's all these paths. They just believe that there's something fundamentally missing from them that other people have that they don't have. Yeah. I know. Um, I, I, yeah. You know, someone like and this. Yes. And what is the because whenever I encounter someone like this, it makes me really upset because I, I feel like almost like I go down the hole with them. Like I suddenly am like, well, I guess there's nothing that can be done. Like I, like I, I first approach it the way that you just said, like literally to a T, but then once they kind of pull me into their world, it almost feels like I'm hopeless with them. And I hate mm -hmm. that. I, I do not like that. So what is their journey? Like in, you know, their thing to learn in this life or like their thing to work on what for fours, what is it? Yeah. So a fours growth path is definitely, um, the challenge is to 
B is to sort of reference themselves less. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for a four, you know, where every single thing, they're just so self-aware. And like, normally we think of self-awareness as like a good thing, but for a four, that self-awareness leads to this, this like isolation in their own world, in their own head, this manifestation of like everything that's going on in my inner world is true or could be true or I wish it was true and so for fours it's like okay you need to start focusing on like more tangible things you need to where for like a two it's kind of the opposite like you need to go into your own world a little bit more but for a four it's like okay focus on like your actual environment or like a tangible thing that you can do because you are not fundamentally flawed. You do not have a missing piece. Like every other person is dealing with the same things, you know? Um, so but- that's the, so the, the key is like, it's almost like the reason you've been given this perception or this challenge of a perception of you is so that you can realize that it's not true. Is that kind of like the theme with all of them? Say that again. So it's like the reason that you've been given in this lifetime, let's say, this perception that something is fundamentally wrong with you is so that you can have the experience of discovering that there's not. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I, I want to think about that because I don't know why I would have ever phrased it like that, but I don't know that the Enneagram is so concerned with the reason why as much as like what to do about it. Do you know what I mean? Like right. the reason why that you have this temperament is because you're a human and like, you're, you're not going to go through just, nobody has a perfect life. Like everybody has a personality, you know? Uh, right. But I think, so- you know, the growth path is definitely like, okay, understand that like your feelings are important and valid, but they're not forever. And like you, you know, the things that you want, you can take tangible steps to doing or having or being. Um, And you don't have to always, you know, other people aren't inherently better or doing more than you are, you know? So it's just like, it's sort of like getting in touch with the tangible, I think, versus like the inner world and just being willing to like step outside of yourself and like accept things as true that don't feel true. Um, I think that's a huge challenge, obviously, but, uh, and you know, I like my sister that I said is a four, you know, it's just so funny because like our whole lives, you know, she'll say to me like, you, you have the thing that I think that I want, which is like, you know, just able to like go in and like make friends with people and get people excited about the things you're excited about. But the funny thing is, I know she has the exact personality where she's able to do that, but she won't. Do you know what I mean? She just won't. Yes. She just can't bring herself to do it because it's not authentic. Fours are obsessed with authenticity. You know, it has to feel true it has to feel like it's coming from there's no fake it till you make it with a four they're like this is not who I am right which means it's hard for them to like kind of play this whole manifestation game because exactly yeah because that requires you to think outside of the uh reality directly in front of you exactly yeah or directly inside of you yeah 
Yes. 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 Crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, carrying on to our last three types. This has been so exhaustive. I'm so sorry. Um, No, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm into it. Everyone watching is into it. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, so fives, so we're starting the the head triad or the thinking triad and, you know, these types, their behaviors and actions are going to be motivated very quote unquote logically um, which I always put in quotes because, you know, it's just so funny because fi- uh, the, you know, the numbers in this type will prioritize and believe that their logic is, you know, so much more valid than like an instinct or a feeling. And it's like, well, actually all the centers of intelligence are equally valid, but we do live in a society that really prioritizes head intelligence. You know what I mean? Like that's what we are told is the thinking, like that's the center of intelligence that we're brought up revering. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's funny, but so fives are the first type in that, um, set and they are very much aptly in the thinking triad because they are very cerebral. They tend to be for sure more introverted in the sense of like, they live in their mind and they aren't, they feel afraid of being exhausted by others. So like, while they might like people, they might even be a social person and love being around people. There's a short cord there for them. They don't want to be in a situation where they wouldn't have the ability to opt out. They don't want to be, you know, in staying in a group hang for a weekend where they don't have a room to themselves that they could go to for some alone time. Um, they're very afraid of, um, they're very afraid of a lack of resources. So they tend to just be conservers. They, they, they are, fear-minded. They think that, you know, the world is a, an inherently, you know, dangerous or um, skeptical place. And they think that they can collect enough knowledge to, um, to circumvent and to figure out how to be safe and how to keep themselves and the people they love safe. And so, you know, fives just, they'll have like deep areas of interest that they will excavate all the way down to the bottom, you know, like they're going to go on search engine rabbit holes and like get interested in a topic and learn every single thing there is to know about it. Um, And then they're going to be like, want to talk to you about it, but not necessarily have a conversation. They kind of want to like explain it. (laughs) I think that tends to be a thing with fives where like, you know, it's not necessarily about an exchange of ideas, but like an exposition of ideas. Um, And they're just, they're, they're very smart. They are that, you know, they are smart. They tend to be very smart and they're just um, able to, you know, I think the challenge, the growth path for a five is, is recognizing like, okay, yes, like all of these ideas and things are, are, are true, but how do I get in touch with my feelings and my emotions? Like these things could save me here or these things could, but like, how do I excavate my feelings about it? Like they're the person that like in therapy, your therapist would be like, okay, you're logicalizing all of your emotions and like, you need to feel them instead. That's like grade A five, you know? Totally. Totally. I, I know my husband is in the head triad. I can't remember which one he is, but 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this one sounds, it, it, it's, um, it's a very foreign, I'm a very, I, I'm someone who's like very in, in my head, obviously we're talking about like obsessive thoughts and, and such, but I am deeply emotional in the way I experience things. And so it's kind of what my son, he's just pooping in my oh. lap loudly. <laughs> And you muted that? Yeah, I know, right? Um, don't worry, it'll probably happen again. Um, so it's it's interesting to hear like the way that the head triad processes things because obviously, like I experience things much more uh, intuitively or like emotionally. I guess it's intuitively because I I'm the gut triad, right? Um, so basically, the fives task or growth uh growth journey or whatever is to allow themselves to feel more a hundred percent yeah that's what a five that's the challenge for five and to even admit that that would be something that they would need to do is a big challenge for fives because they really discount that kind of knowledge because their safety and security is built up around the idea that like knowledge and learning is the answer to the things like, you know, I, I can figure out a solution to anything. And if you, you know, the admitting that like feelings are an important piece of any equation really complicates that equation. And it becomes like a huge issue for them to even acknowledge that like, that's a worthwhile pursuit or something that they Mm. should be concerned with. And they get maybe sometimes feel like, um, other people's feelings should not be considered like, you know, your feeling isn't relevant here. Let's just talk about it logically. And it's like, yeah. okay, the, like the, you can feel that way, but the facts say, but the facts are this. And it's yeah. like, okay, you know, for someone in the feelings triad, you're just like, no, the, my feelings are the only thing that matters. Yeah. Here. Like, <laughs> what are you about? like this whole Sorry. argument is about my feelings. Like, and they're like, well, logically you shouldn't be upset because you know, this, this, and this, and we agreed yes. on this. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. But- well, that's, that's kind of how it is like with me and my husband. And it, it actually works really well in terms of balance, like, because, but, mm-hmm. but like, okay, when crazy shit is going on in the world and I'm like, I'm, I have a lot of anxiety about this. And he's like, okay, well just don't <laughs> It's like, probably not going to okay. affect you. Oh, <laughs> okay no he's he's actually throughout our relationship he's gotten so much better at like talking to me about my emotions when I know it doesn't come first nature to him like it's something that's kind of more foreign to him he's gotten really good at like learning how to talk to me but it's kind of I think it is a good thing for me because like I said at first maybe I'll get pissed off when he doesn't emotionally react but over time it actually starts to like chill me out because I'm like he's not really reacting and I know if shit's going down like if if I really need to worry about shit like he's gonna give me some sort of reaction yeah yeah yeah. so yeah I think it's uh yeah oh uh Tara said she's a five um Tara is uh one of our listeners and helping us plan our next retreat Stay tuned for that. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, and Andrea said, "Ever he's always making good content." <laughs> yeah, 
Ew, yeah, he is. I bet oh, there's some nasty content in that diaper. Yeah. Um, okay, moving moving but, forward. Yeah, we'll move on. But I will say, yeah, I always have kind of thought that Jad is a five. So yeah. that makes sense that you are seeing him in that. Yeah. Um, so the next type is six, which my mother is a six. I have diagnosed her. She will not identify with it, but it doesn't matter because I know. <laughs> Um, so sixes are also in the head triad and they are, um, characterized by deep fear and anxiety. Um, and they kind of, all of their actions are motivated by dealing with that fear and anxiety as all the hypes in the head triad are. Um, and sixes can be kind of, I think, hard for people to spot or identify with because they're really characterized in either in opposition to or in alignment with their fears or their anxieties. So like in some ways, you know, they're going to, they're finding, they, they feel that they don't have what they need to, they don't have a, and they're not in touch with their inner guidance. Like they just don't feel that they have what they need internally to deal with whatever scary things might life might give them. So they're always searching for, um, systems or people or answers that can give them a structure to depend on. And once they find that, they are ride or die for that thing. That's it. That is the thing. That's the only thing. Um, but they're also very skeptical. So it's not like they're easily gullible of things. Like they, they really, they're, I always call black hat thinkers. They're someone who they're going to be aware of every worst case possibility that could possibly happen. And, um, they want to poke holes in every idea. They want to say, okay, but this probably won't work because of this, 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 and this. And like, as someone who's like super positive, when I've been like in work situations where I'm brainstorming options with a six, they're like, well, here's all the reasons that's not going to work. And I'll be like, ah, like, just what if we just tried it? Like, you know what I mean? But they're just like really they want to make sure before they go in on something that it's going to be the best path. So basically NASA should look into, uh, sixes, All sixes. a team of sixes. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So sixes and fives probably would be like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, but then, you know, the thing is once they find it, they're, they're done questioning and that just is the thing now. Um, and sixes are extremely loyal partners and friends because again, like once they depend on you and believe in you, like you, they are outsourcing their fear to you. Like if a six loves you, they're like, okay, should I be afraid of this? And you're like, I don't think so. And they're like, <laughs> okay, good. You know, they're like, all right, I'm going to give you the power to tell me how to feel. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. sixes are just like great. They're great community builders. Like there's someone who, you know, because they are so loyal and so trusting of the people that they trust, you know, they're like, and they're very community minded because they are worrying about all the worst case things. They want to keep everybody safe and close and involved. And then they're also the person that's like, if you try to bring somebody new into the group, they're like, I don't think so. I don't like this person. Who are they? How did they get here? You know, they're just like, they're not a part of our family. <laughs> yeah, I don't this know. I don't know that we've right. chosen. 
Right. Yeah. So like, for example, one of my best friends, her sister is a six. And when we first started hanging out a lot, you know, I could tell her sister was kind of like side-eyeing me and like sketch vibing me. And I was like, as the, two, the, as the true two that I am, I was like, oh, I'm gonna win you over. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now she loves me and we're also great yes. friends, but like, you have to know with the six, like they're not going to come off as loving, but they are, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah, just... they're ferociously loving, but you have to pass their, uh, you test have to pass first. Exactly. Oh yeah. They're going to test you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a six in a nutshell, I think. And I, you know, just definitely characterized by like, they're a very outward projection of their fear and anxiety. And like, my mom is a six and just like, everything wrecks her. Do you know what I mean? Like every possibility is like, it's like, it's imminent. And I'm like, literally none of those things are going to happen. <laughs> like we could just not panic about this, but okay. Like, let's talk about it, you know? Uh, but anyways, and then um, our last number, hi ever. Hi buddy. Oh my God. I love him. Um, yeah. He's so cute. He looks like he got a little scratch on his nose. He did. He scratched himself in his sleep. Do you see Sarah? Hi, Bobby. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> okay, let's go to let's go to number seven only because now I have a. Uh, yeah, we got to get the poop out of that baby. Yeah. And also, it's the last <laughs> number, so let's just do it. Woo! So seven, I think at one point we had kind of thought, oh, maybe Ambie is a seven. I don't know. But yes. she would have to speak to that. But sevens are um, also characterized in um, reaction to their internal fear that they have and they avoid it. You know what I mean? At all costs. They're like, I am not going to sit in this uncomfortable situation if I can at all avoid it. And they are big seekers of experiences and um, new skills, new ideas, new, they always want to be taking in new, 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 new. And that's a sort of a way to stop their psyche from settling and to stop their brain from stagnating. Because if they were to settle, if they were to stagnate, what might come up? And that is mm -hmm. scary. So it's I think, you know, scary. for seven, yeah, it's very scary. So for, I think for sevens, you know, it's just like, if you know a seven, it's so freaking fun to be around them because they are, they tend to be really like good at a lot of different things. They're great, you know, to go on an adventure with because they are thrill seekers. They're excited to like figure out new things. Um, however, you know, kind of like what we said with threes, eventually for most sevens in life, there's going to be something that you have to confront. And at that point, mm. everything else will also come up and it can be like life ruining, you know? So a lot of sevens experience like, yeah, I mean, life ruining yeah. in the sense of like, you know, you're going to have to rebuild. shattering. Yeah. Paradigm, paradigm shift. Paradigm. Yeah. That's what I mean for sure. Like you're going to have to yeah. rebuild your entire construction of your life because it's built around running from these things and like, you just can't. so yeah. Um, that's sevens yeah, in a nutshell. And if you guys have been listening to this podcast, I mean, you know, Ambie, Ambie will have to weigh in on this herself, but if you guys have been listening to this podcast, that's pretty much what Ambie has been describing this whole year about like having to rebuild her life and, and face really scary things that have been really, really challenging for her. So, you know, but, but that being said, it's extremely true. Ambie is the fun. And this is why people love coming on our retreats because Ambie is the funnest. She's like, um, She's like like the fun aunt or something who's like 
okay, guys, guess what we're going to do? She like loves coming up with spontaneous ideas. She's the one that always wants to do um, a special surprise every retreat. Like this retreat, we're going ATVing in the sand dunes uh, in Joshua Tree. And she is a blast, like truly, yeah. and very skilled at many things. So yeah, I would say if, if, if you were asking me, I say that sounds like her, but yeah, again, she'll yeah. have to speak to it. For sure. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so that's just an overview. And obviously, like I said, for anybody that is like into the Enneagram, there's a million resources, but like, for sure, this is a good starter book. It's called the wisdom of the Enneagram. Riso and Hudson. Um, and there's also like lots of good podcasts and stuff about it out there. Like I, I really love, um, Enneagram 2.0, which it's kind of like a dry, like the hosts are not super like fun, but just the information is really good. So I don't know, but totally. Yeah. Um, by the way, so one question, uh, Erica said, is it possible to be a mix of type two and mm. five? Mm, that's a great question. So your Enneagram type is you only have one type and it is your type your entire life. So a lot of people have said, oh, I think I'm a four when I was younger. And then I became like a eight when I was you, your type is your type and it's always your type. So if you're recognizing parts of you in different numbers, that's really, those are good starting off points for you to be like, okay, let me learn more about type five and learn more about type two and yeah, see like, like dive deeper into those two yeah for sure totally and what if people want like to dive into their enneagrams like and want someone to help them is are you someone they can reach out to yeah so, absolutely. How? um i guess like instagram or yeah, yeah like would probably instagram be best great. um which my instagram i have to look up what it is. Oh, I, don't really <laughs> I think it's La Vie on Rose, isn't it? No, not anymore. Oh, okay. Oh, that's my TikTok. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But that's my Instagram TikTok. is like Fifi Rose. Fifi underscore Rose. So it's F I F I underscore R O S A Y. And you guys, I'll put that in the show notes. So definitely at least follow Sarah because she's awesome. But also, <laughs> you know, maybe send her a message because. Again, I'm trying to, as you can see, she is just like, she's like reading a book of this stuff because I don't know how she retains all the information. It's amazing. Um, but, you know, um, I'm trying to convince her to like do this. Like, yeah, <laughs> Alexa has so long helpful. told me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so helpful. And I, I, I really think it's such an amazing um, framework to use, especially, like I said, for people who like really need steps and like actionable items and they need to know, not just like, you know, that ethereal, like, yeah, like it, not the general advice, like specific human earthly actions to take. They need that. Yeah. And so anyway, reach out to Sarah, maybe she'll start doing, doing some of these and, um, Sarah, anything else you want to share? Thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge. Like I, I feel like this was great and people are going to love this. Good. I hope so. Cause I feel like I was just babbling, but yeah. And just, I'll just say one last word about like what you're saying about like action steps. I do think that's, what's so great about the Enneagram is that, you know, there's a lot of people who will spout wisdoms of like growth paths or things that have worked for them. And I'm always like, those things are so great, but you have to recognize like their journey is so like where someone um, I, I always use the example for two, the advice of you need to learn to walk in someone else's shoes is the worst advice you could give to a two because 
you need to learn to walk in your own shoes. You know what I mean? So while that is good advice and it helps develop empathy for people that are really living in their own inner world too much, uh, you know, Jews need the opposite advice. So I think that's where the Enneagram is great is you're going to figure out, okay, which bits of advice and which bits of wisdom will help me personally on my growth path. So yeah, definitely reach out to me if you want help finding your type. I'm super interested in talking about it and would love to. And I always love talking to you and I love you and ever. I love you too. Ever loves you too. And thank you just so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, yeah. We love you. And until next time, keep on blooming. Bye everybody. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Podcast.